back to the Overlap, the newest podcast to hit Spotify podcast. As of today, we are on four different platforms. We are on Spotify podcast. We are on SoundCloud. We are on Apple podcasts on iTunes, and we are on Google Play for those of you that use Google Play. So without further ado, I'm going to once again introduce my friend and my brother, Rian. How are you doing this week? I am doing just fine, Ellis. Uh, just finished yeah, up. Any lift troubles? No work troubles. Uh, just, just finished no, no, up. No, 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 no. Lift troubles. Oh, lift. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, if people, if anyone follows me on Twitter at this is Rian, not a shameless plug at all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I got into a bit of an accident um, yesterday with my lift. Uh, one of my co-passengers in my shared lift uh, opened his door slightly early and uh, caused an accident with an oncoming car. Uh, yeah, naturally, a couple of the, the two drivers were extremely pissed <laughs> when they got out and started yelling at him while he uh, said a very solemn, <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, unfortunately, I have no idea how it ended because I just got up and left and didn't even didn't say goodbye or thank you or anything. I just did not want to be a part of that situation anymore. But yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> how, how, how has uh, the week been for you, though, Elias? You're in upstate new york doing some uh training yeah um i haven't had any lift issues uh although i i have taken a lift recently um i've been i've been chilling at orientation for work uh it's definitely been busy first week week of work is always tough trying to get acquainted trying to get oriented um quite literally um so it's it's been all right next week back in the office back in the big city that is new york um so definitely going to have a little bit more time then a little more freedom um and when rion comes up to the city we'll be able to uh to do these podcasts in person and uh and that'll that'll definitely be a lot better yes i i can't wait i literally cannot wait i'm <laughs> <laughs> actually please please come <laughs> Yeah, well, we will obviously still be bringing you more content um, as the season progresses, but this podcast is going to be solely dedicated to reviewing this past weekend of games and previewing the upcoming weekend of games in the Premier League and La Liga. Um, But I believe you have an interesting tidbit you want to start with. Um, Does it have anything to do with uh, Norwich? Yes, so I'm going to be introducing a segment uh, every week that you know, if people are very um, familiar with Match of the Day, BBC's Match of the Day, of course, the NBC one's all right, but yeah, it's not it's not the it's not as good as the real thing. Um, BBC's Match of the Day, there's always some really weird and interesting stuff that's brought up by announcers, but this one this week is Norwich's sleeve sponsor. Um, I don't think anyone's really been watching Norwich that much past the first week against Liverpool. But if you looked at the uh, at the close-ups of their shirt sleeve, you'll see their first ever sleeve sponsor, otherwise known as otherwise known as um, Best Fiends. It's a chill. It's a child's game where basically they play with um, collectible really weird looking creatures and if you see the, if you see the jersey sponsor it's this yellow 
one-eyed, I don't know, half bumblebee, half spider, I guess. It has no wings, but it has like the stripes of a bumblebee. I, I've been I've yeah. been looking at these uh at all of these characters in the game and if you've ever seen the Rick and Morty episode where uh Morty or sorry Rick gives him a love potion and then everyone Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Everyone turns into Cronenbergs. These are these look like <laughs> what people evolved into in that one dimension. Okay. So it's really a nightmare. I don't understand how this is a children's game. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my highlight for the weekend. I would say, I would say, check it out, but you know, if you're squirmish, I probably wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had a chance to look it up, uh, right before we started recording, uh, cause Rian told me to, to give it a look. Um, and I won't be sleeping tonight. Um, so I'll just be recording this podcast for the, till the end of time, <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's definitely a, a weird sponsor. I don't even know how you managed to <laughs> to pick that out but um, i'm glad you brought some some flair to the premier league you uh you added something new and if there are any norwich supporters listening or even any any members of the norwich staff um please please reconsider your sponsorship please <laughs> but, or keep it it brings character honestly or yeah exactly because you might be getting relegated and you're gonna need it so with that <laughs> um we're actually going to talk about one of the bigger games this past weekend, the Manchester City Spurs game. And let me just preface this that we will not be discussing VAR. We nah I'm kidding. That's literally gonna be the entire entire segment on this game, we're isn't not it? Discussing VAR anymore, okay? As people might have seen, I am now pro VAR. I'm totally pro VAR. <laughs> but I wanna save I wanna save this instance. For the, for you know when we're when we're at the end of talking about this match, let's talk about the parts that the referees can't ruin, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you you want to name them because according yeah. to you, it was the whole game. But no, sure. no, no, it was it was no, no, that's it was just the end. But no, I mean, I, I'm just trying to think like in our, in our takeaways from this match. You know, I, I we're running. We're about to run out of words of how to describe like how good the city team is. Um, they were amazing during that game. Uh, yeah, Tottenham was critical in their two chances that they had the entire game. So, I mean, I guess I have to ask you, Ellis, how much credit should we really be giving to Spurs for that result? Like, how much would you give to them? I think I think my answer is actually going to surprise. No, you know what? No, it won't. Um, I give them a decent amount of credit, and here's why. Manchester City should have obviously scored way more goals than they should than they did, right? Every, everyone knows. I mean, you were, you told me yourself their expected goals was over. Three oh yeah, no, I'm gonna yeah, yeah. Expected I, goals. I'm not even gonna get into that. Yeah, I, I'll I will bring that up. No worries. For sure. I my point is this, and I, and I want to discuss this at sort of just like at a theoretical level. People always talk about this idea of a win being deserved or a loss being undeserved. But the only way for a team to prove that is to actually score the goals that they so apparently deserved. I don't – a part of me has always been frustrated when, say, Barcelona, for example, either hit the post a bunch of times. You know, They just can't seem to find the shot on target. But 
the only person to blame in that situation is the players. And to a degree, a manager can bring you so close as to get nearly in front of goal, but the manager himself or herself cannot actually finish off chances, right? And when I look at the fact that City had 30-plus chances this weekend, and that's (laughs) – I can't believe that's not an exaggeration. They had so many chances – to put the ball in the back of the net, and they have no one else but themselves to blame, which is why I think there's a whole separate argument to be had about VAR, but I will bring up those arguments when we get to that. Yeah, I mean, totally can understand, but I'm going to give the absolute minimum credit that can be possible for, for Tottenham for that game, considering that they were just getting dissected for – all but what two minutes of that match? <laughs> like, I mean, here it was. Here's a rundown: expected goals, Man City three point two zero, Tottenham a whopping zero point zero seven. They had three shots the entire game. The only shot they had that was actually inside the box was Lucas Mora's header. Uh, otherwise, there's Lamella's. That was a great header. Not going to take anything away from the finish at all, um, and then and then you had their next closest shot was Lamella's, uh, where Ederson is giving, <laughs> yeah Lamella's guided pass into uh, the <laughs> middle the middle left of the goal not not the corner <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> where where uh, and Ederson's giving him like literally sixty five percent of the other side <laughs> of the goal to shoot at he's just like so. I mean, that, that's their second closest shot. And then the third one was a shot uh, where Harry Kane takes it from almost midfield, trying to catch Ederson off his line. So that was their three chances the entire game. One of which <laughs> so, right now. so that's where we start. Red City has 97% of the chances. They shoot 30 times, Spurs three. The passes within 20 yards of your opponent's goal. City, this is excluding crosses, which is where two of the goals actually came from. (laughs) So just add that in. (laughs) City had 10 and Spurs had three, right? (laughs) And then we get to uh, passes allowed per defensive action in the opposition half, which is basically like a pressing stat. You know, how many passes are you allowing your opponent to get off while they're in their half of the field, right? While you're on defense. So Man City let... Tottenham get about around nine um, before they would intercept or clear or something like that, right? Uh, Tottenham, on the other hand, 47 Manchester City passes before defensive action on average. Wow. <laughs> so, so, I mean, I, I, I find it hard to give um, a lot. Of, I have to give them credit just from, you know, the minimum credit of being, uh, I can't even, I can't say hard to break down because they weren't. Being, being resilient, I suppose. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give them credit for being resilient, right. And, and not being totally out of the game and, um, you know, scoring, especially the second goal is, is one where, where it's a great individual play by, by Mora to get, to find space and great header. So I'll give them credit for actually scoring the goals, right? That's, that's the bare minimum I can get. That's the minimum credit I can give them. Okay. Here's my point, which is why I actually give Spurs some credit. Not, I don't give them a lot, but I give them some. 
the the whole point of a game is to score goals, right? Which which they did. And I'm not of saying course. they were yeah. at all dominant in this game whatsoever. They were picked apart completely, but they they achieved the goals that they were supposed to. Quite literally, they they put balls into the net. And regardless of the, the fact that they were overrun the entire game, they still managed to score. Which which goes back to my point about City not putting away their chances. City could have scored eight goals, and we would not be talking about it the same way that we are. The only reason we're talking about it is that they weren't able to put away so many chances, and so it all falls back on City for not being able to do that. And I give a lot of credit for Spurs to being able to do that. I do not give them credit for being a good team in this game or putting in a good performance, but I give them the credit for scoring the goals. Okay, I'll, I'll agree. Like, like I said, I'll agree with with the fact they fit, they finished, and um, they were able to keep enough of City's shots out of the goal. I'll, I'll give them that. <laughs> um, <but laughs> yeah. in, a game, in a game where you know they, the expected points for Manchester City is two point nine three, and Tottenham is zero point zero four, it's it's a little tough. It's a little right. tough for me to give them uh, a lot of credit. But you know, good on them for getting the draw, which. It, which a lot of teams are not going to get there. <laughs> like I, there's going to be very, there's going to be very few teams that take any points from it, from the right. Etihad. So I'll give them credit for that for sure. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. Well, but, yeah. with, uh, with us having discussed the first 92 minutes of the game, um, <laughs> do you want to, do you want to give me your thoughts on that infamous VAR call before I just pick you apart? Yeah, okay. So again, it's not necessarily <laughs> VAR's fault, right? It's 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 this new horrible handball rule. <laughs> like that that's really it. I don't know how you're gonna defend this, but I could guess. You're gonna say it's nice to have uh a very clear and cut reason why goals can't be scored off the hand and blah blah blah. And let's not make things tough for the referee, God forbid, right? <laughs> I, I know where you're going with this. Okay, but do you, do you, do you gonna, want me to respond or do you want me to wait? No, no, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to counter it already. How the hell are we going to say that intent does not matter if you're trying to score the goal, but in the case of that corner comes in and it nicks off of – the arm of, uh, let's say, like, um, of either Laporte, not Laporte, sorry, no, of one of the Tottenham defenders. Let's say oh, okay. it nicks off of them, and it and that ball is going, that ball was going towards a City player or something like that. Let's say it hits off of them, and Tottenham takes it, and whether they score or not on the off of it, that's still an opportunity to score that's taken away from from an uh, attacking sense, right? From the team that's playing the corner. How are we oh, going to say that? It, no, it's not. That's that's the rule. The rule is actually only when a goal is being scored from the resulting handball. It's not It's not uh, any time hit someone's hand, it, we're going to call a foul on it. That's my problem with it. That's my big problem. We've taken intent out of handball, which I think is really stupid because – you know, <laughs> the ball, we, we see every week that 
someone shoots from outside the box. Defender has his hands literally tucked right onto like his rib cage and it hits off him and an attacker is calling for a handball, but it's not called because obviously intent has to matter there. Right. right. But now we're, now we're doing it on this other end where if it nicks you on the arm, when your hands not even, when your arms not even extended and it goes into the path of one of your, of one of your teammates and they score from that, then we have a problem. Now, now we have a problem. It's one thing if it hits off the arm and goes in the goal. That that I'm totally fine with. Let's let's take intent out of that completely, right? Uh, but if it hits, <laughs> if it hits you barely and go and like happens to fall in someone else's path, you know, right. I we, we've got. There's got to be. This is not a sport that that is done with where things are that's black and white. Like the only thing that's black and white is offside and a ball going out uh, past the touchline or something like that, or going in the goal or not. Everything else, it's really hard to just say that they're, that they're completely, uh, there's, that intent doesn't matter, right? No, I, I agree. I, I think intent is important. But if we're talking about in the context of this specific goal, or let me, well, lack of a goal, um, let, me, let me ask you this then. Do you think... Lorente's goal for Spurs in the Champions League was should have been a goal. No, that's the that's what I'm. Yeah, that's the one I'm okay with. If it goes directly in the goal off of that, then yes, we should cut that out completely. Right? If that was if that had hit his arm, dropped down, bounced a couple times, and went to and went to the path of like Harry Kane, and he finishes it, then. I don't think we should call it because in that case, Lorente's arm was tucked in completely to his to his uh, body there too, and it didn't directly go in the goal afterwards. I don't think any goal should be scored off of someone's hand. So right, that's right. that's where I'm cutting it off. But I mean, in the case of Laporte's hand, or it was it was more of an elbow. Was it was more like an extended? Yeah, it wasn't. Even, yeah, it wasn't even really his hand. It was like between his elbow and his shoulder. So right, right. So in that sense, I guess the argument is that a non-ball playing part of the body affected the run of play that allowed City to be put in an advantageous position. That's, that seems logical to me that if, you, if your arm is used and it's, it's extended like that in the way that his was, that it's called back. Right? Like I, I can see where if, if that had gone in and – VAR reviewed it and said, yeah, that, I mean, that's a goal. Then I can see where Spurs fans would be like, what are you talking about? His arm was extended. Like it, it, it hit off him and, you know, J- Jesus put it in the net. Like that, that can't happen. It was, it was a foul or it was a handball to, to begin with. I, I honestly have to completely disagree. I don't think they would have. I don't think no one said anything. (laughs) No one saw that replay and said, wow, well, yeah, that should probably get called back. You saw after they score, after they took it off, the referee tells Hugo Lloris, Lloris is laughing. Lloris is laughing because of how absurd that call is. Like there's not a single person on that field that's calling for a handball. This is, this is the only thing I will say about the VAR in this sense. We wanted it to come in and correct things that are obvious infractions of the game that obviously hurt the like integrity of the game, 
right? Mm-hmm. That goal does not hurt the integrity of the game at all. That that doesn't hinder the integrity. That is not cheating whatsoever. Like in that instance, that Based is not a cheating goal. Based on intent, of course. That but that is what cheating is. You don't cheat without intent. <laughs> That's, sure, sure. Yes. But you can still like inadvertent handballs happen all the time and they're called as penalties. They are they are when your hand is in a unnatural position. That's I mean, I know the the natural, unnatural thing is somewhat subjective, but I think it's pretty right. obvious. It have to do with intent. I think that's, it's pretty obvious. So I think it's pretty obvious a lot of the time when when you're like if, if you're there's reasons for your hand to be like ninety degrees from your from sure. your uh body and and not, right? So yeah. you know I'm okay if we're gonna call if we're gonna call that like that can, if you want to say if your hand is that far away, no intent. Uh, intent doesn't matter. Um, you know we're calling that no matter what. If you want to do that, sure. I would still have to uh, counter that how far away the ball is and stuff has to matter. But you know I'm cool. I'm cool with that. But like we're taking. I just don't know what we're doing <laughs> with, with these with some of these rule changes. I don't know who are these rule changes for. Like, no right. one's asking for handball to be called that conservatively. Like, I don't, I don't, or liberally, I guess is it would be really the way. No one's, no one's asking for it to get called like that. Yeah. No, no one's looking for that. No one's ever complained about a goal like that in the history of the sport. So I don't know what are we what are we doing. <laughs> well, I think we can both agree that VAR itself, the technology, is not necessarily to fault here. The, the, the technology, the, the protocol that is in place was correct, but you know the rules we probably won't see eye to eye on for a while until it gets ironed out. No, it's it's yeah the the technology works. Technology works. Too well. That's the problem. Honestly, <laughs> right? It's 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 exposing. It's uh, why I'm saying it's, I'm pro VAR now is because it's exposing these rules that are trying to like sap the emotion of these games out. I can't. I can't. You can't celebrate a goal anymore. Basically, is what oh is where we're at. You God. can't actually no celebrate God. a goal. But that. I mean, that's. <laughs> I I can't wait. I can't wait until until. Um, Messi scores a goal and uh, scores a free kick, and it just happens to have nicked off one of his own um, teammates' hand, and it goes in. Oh wow! I can't oh, wait! I can't wait! I'm sure you'll have the same opinion. Yeah, I'm sure you'll have the same opinion. Yeah, don't 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 do me like that. <laughs> I don't want to be in that position. But um, this this weekend, it sounds like both teams pretty much have straightforward uh, three points. I don't know about you. That yeah. in, in the Spurs playing Newcastle and City hosting Brighton. Yeah, Spurs. Yeah, yeah. Tottenham, Tottenham hosts Newcastle, who have zero points <laughs> with the first couple games and the third lowest expected goals. Um, like uh, I will keep saying, I think that team's going to get relegated, <laughs> um, which makes me afraid um, with DeAndre Yedlin coming back from injury soon. Yeah. Don't think he's going to make enough of a difference. Um, and then City hosts Brighton, who've been good to start the season uh four points fourth best expected goals allowed um they're you know i i'm not worried about this manchester city team whatsoever 
Um, I would, if I were a betting man, you know, just I would I would love to see the odds on Manchester City not losing a game this season. I would like to see the odds on it. I'm not going to say I don't want to say that it's going to happen, but I'd like to see the odds on it because that if anything, that match against Spurs made me even more encouraged about how good this team is. <laughs> yeah, actually, I, I kind of agree with you. I think this is the type of not I don't want to call it a wake up call because they played extremely well. Um, but I think they need, did need some sort of jostle to to wake them up and say you need to, to put away chances chances uh, more efficiently. Um, and I, I right. think this did it for them um, outside of Champions League, of course, and if they meet Barcelona. Um, but you get my point. Um, so exactly three points more than likely in the bag for for both teams this weekend. Um, but this past weekend, we did not see either United. Or Wolves pick up three points. Both teams picking up a point, tying uh, 1-1 with Ruben Neves scoring an absolute beaut. Dude, he's turning into the new, like, Coutinho, where, like, he only scores really, really good goals. <laughs> but they come, like, they come, like, once every three months. Yeah. I'm loving it. So he'll make uh, – he'll have one to two of his goals be on the Puskas shortlist, and then we'll never yes. hear about him again. Yeah, then I'll go to Barcelona and and uh, be absolutely wasted slash totally unnecessary. Wow, I, yeah, you there? I you there, mean, buddy? I, I, we're we're talking about United. And, and, okay, all right. If you wanna, okay. we'll get to them we later. Will. But uh, how? I don't know. How are we feeling? How are we feeling about our dark horse team so far? Two games, two points. They they drew against Leicester in, in the first week. Um, Get a decent point here against United. That I, you know, they. I think this is. I think that's a fine result for them. No, that's that's. I think it's a fine result, but I think it's a result we would have seen them get three points with last year, and were, that's the part yeah. that worries me a little bit. Yeah, I, I I think both of those games that they played were winnable games for them in terms of the team they played, not necessarily the way they played. But I'm starting to see a couple of cracks in their defensive structure. I'm starting to see. I don't want to say a lack of shots or or a lack of ability to to get chances created, um, but it seems like Matinho is really their only creative force right now that seems to want to step up, and that's not going to carry you through to a, a sixth place spot. Granted, being two weeks into the season, you can't make an incredible number of of conclusions, but at the same time, I'm I'm not seeing optimistic signs right now um, through the first two match days. But I, I still think that with the quality that they have, they're still capable of, of finishing in sixth because the season is long and we're only a fraction of the way through. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah. I, I would have to say I'm, I'm, I was slightly disappointed um, with their draw against Leicester in the first game. I think those are, those are two teams that um, have a chance to have a really, really good chance if one of these other one of these uh, top six teams from last year fall at, fall off, you know they those are I think the two best position teams that could um, hop in that area of the table. Um, so I was a little disappointed that neither of those teams looked that great in the first one in the first game. But you know I'll I'll give benefit of the doubt from the first week. Uh, I was definitely but with this past game against United, I was definitely encouraged by the performance in the second half. I think the first half they sat off United 
really deep and really hard and and gave United a lot of the ball. Um, and, you know, second half, they really they actually had they had to go for it. They had to go for it more. So they so they you know were more aggressive. They pressed a little higher. They tried to play the ball out through the back a little more. You know, they they were they were better when they actually tried to play with the ball. So. I think the draw was pretty was pretty um, fair result on both sides. Um, yeah, I think I, I am slightly worried for their attacking sense. I don't think it's a very it's a good thing that they brought on Adama Traore and that completely changed <laughs> like that, that completely yeah. invigorated them. That's not a good <laughs> sign because yeah. he <laughs> he is. That man is the face of pace and power. Uh, like he is. You look up pace and power, you see Adama Traore because he's got. I, there's one thing I want to throw in is when he was a youth player at at, uh, at Barcelona. Yeah, uh, you would see pictures of him, and he was like 17, 18, whatever it was, and he was jacked. Like you would, you would look at him and you'd be like, "Wow, that kid for being a teenager still is jacked." And then you look at him now at Wolves, and you're like. That man could touch a child and kill it. Yeah, yeah. Like he, he like, like if he runs into your ribs, are shattering. Like, but, but the problem is, that's kind of all he is. Like, that's right, the problem. Right. That's the problem with if he's your spark plug, and he's like if he's your spark plug, and he is notably really really low iq when he like actually gets past a man and like in terms of decision making he's pretty horrible if if that's the guy that's like sparking you that's that's pretty worrying for me um yeah that's pretty worrying for me in all honesty right for for a team that signed an additional striker and was supposed to keep developing chemistry between their front uh two strikers I would have hoped for a little bit more, but I'm I'm not holding out and saying they're out of the top six or anything. I I, I just want to see a little bit more of a top level consistent performance that we're capable of seeing from them because they are capable of putting in that type of performance. Okay, yeah, no, I agree. They were great against the top six teams last season. So, um, you know, early, pretty early days. You know, I I said before the season, I, I don't I don't think any team really is gonna. I don't think. I don't really think Wolves is going to end up finishing in the top six. I, I'm still going to take the six from last year, but you know, um, as we'll, as we'll get on to soon, you know, there's definitely might be a spot open there, but for this weekend, we see, we see United hosting Crystal Palace um, and then Wolves hosting Burnley, which should be an interesting match. It, well, that's a, that's a must three points. I think for Wolves for yeah. if, if, you know, for their, for their status for us as, as, the Wolves FC supporters here. <laughs> we are we, <laughs> we are we, championing Wolves into six. We need, yeah, they need to win. They need to win this weekend for me to still feel good about a dark horse pick there. Yeah, yeah, I I, I fully agree with that. I think they're capable of, of picking up three points against this Burnley side. I think that they need a bit of a confidence boost, not necessarily in Adama Traore, but in just terms of their their playing playing style and their ability to to move the ball forward and get it in front of the strikers who are capable of scoring goals. Um, I mean, we saw that last season as well. So I think it's just a matter of, of bringing a little bit more creative flair uh, back into the side. And I think they pick up the three points this weekend. 
Um, but I think you might yeah. be surprised um, by my other prediction for the team they played last weekend, Manchester United. I'm going to go with a 2-1 Crystal Palace win. Oh, I, wow. I, I don't know why. Really? Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm going to – okay. I'm going to – season. you don't know why. I'm going to give – I'm going to say I think they'll win. I was actually – I think they've been all right the first two weeks. I think the Maguire – I mean, Maguire comes in and they're well, – and Juan Basaka, you have to you have to include him too. He, he's also right. been um, really key to them looking confident <laughs> in defense now, right? Yeah. So I actually, I actually think they're – I think they'll be all right. I think they win this weekend. Um, I still just have – a slight concern in terms of the creativity in the midfield outside of Pogba, obviously. Um, that's, that's why, you know, I think um, Wolves maybe was too easy on them in the first half because outside of Pogba, although Rashford got the assist for uh, Martial's goal, um, I'm not exactly sure where the creativity is coming from in their midfield especially if they're going to play Lingard in like the number 10 area when he's always been a winger and he's the first two weeks, he's just been absolutely invisible because he's, he's, that's not his role. He's not like, he's not that good of a passer and that's not where his strengths are. So uh, I think they'll win this week. um, And I also hope, I think Wolves wins too, but um, you know, good luck to both of them. You want to move on to, uh, to South London? I want to move on, and uh, and if you need a tissue to wipe your tears, I don't know. need a tissue. Uh, Get out I, of here! I just, I, I, what's going on? They, the, Chelsea plays so well, <laughs> seemingly play so well, and then they bring on Willian. That's actually the reason. Oh, okay. <laughs> but but uh, this uh, this Chelsea team geez. has yet to win a game this season, but they've played like a top 16. So, okay. So I will say, all right, let's start first, first game against United. They, you know, they, four, not four, it was not, it was was not not, uh, a four, no game. So, so, you know, they actually played pretty decently in that game, you know, but they get hit on the counter as I, as we talked about, I thought that that's the only way that United, that's like the, best way for United to beat teams like that's really there is running at teams and stuff and Chelsea did not play a deeper line which is whatever part of the the style of play that they want to play right which is fine um but they got they got exposed in that sense in that game and then they go into midweek and they play Liverpool and they play really well they play really really well but you know a lot of that being that Conte was in the team Right. And they played with three people in the midfield in that game. And they were able to, you know, if not best, at least um, neutralize Liverpool's midfield um, and be able to get around them a little bit. Right. So then we come into this Sunday and um, they play 4 2 3 1, um, Conte and Jorginho sitting as the pivots and Mason Mount as the number, number 10. They, once again, start off with their hair on fire, pressing really, really well, um, winning the ball, probably could have scored two goals within the first 25 minutes. Um, but, you know, they don't. They, they do get the goal, though. A great great goal by Mason Mount. Really happy for him to get his first uh, Ch- Chelsea professional yeah, goal. he looks really happy, too. And then, yeah. Uh, but, you know, after that, 
this is my my most concerning thing from uh, this game is the performance. Yes, um, I think Leicester is very good. I, I think Leicester is a very good team. James Madison's really good, but um, the problem was after they scored. You know, once they kind of they couldn't keep up the pressure quite as much. They were getting circles kind of pass around them in the midfield. And the fact that Lampard never really made a sub to deal with the fact that they were getting overrun in center mid and specifically by James Madison, who was finding space all the time. The fact that he did not sub in a third center mid in that area, right? Um, I get that he wanted to keep Mount on there and I get that he's putting the confidence in him and, you know, down the road, this, it's probably better for him. Um, especially considering that expectations aren't that high this season, but I think in that game and he even came out, um, Lampard even came out and said it, that that was where the problem was too. Um, I just didn't understand why he subbed on Kovacic for Jorginho so it didn't actually solve the problem of the two, of them getting outnumbered yeah. in the midfield against against uh, Leicester City's three, and then William. Co- I mean, I'm not going to talk about the William <laughs> thing right now, but 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 I, I just think that uh, that Mount should have been subbed in for Kovacic and just tried to have three people in the center there to combat what was happening. I that that's my that's a slight concern that he didn't that Lampard didn't see that and, you know, react to it. You know, he was, he was, he was not proactive. I should say he wasn't proactive in any sense because before the goal came, it was coming. Like it was, it, you saw what was happening in there. I was sitting there for, you know, like let's say 25 to 30 minutes before the lesser goal came. Just like, all right, this summons like he needs to throw on a third. There needs to be a third guy there. Cause Matt, cause Madison's finding a lot of space, but, um, yeah, so that that's that's uh, that was disappointing. But again, this is still Lampard's second season as a manager, so I'm going to give him time. Still, um, they, he'll hopefully learn. Yeah, that. we knew this was this was a rebuilding sort of phase, and it wasn't it wasn't gonna you weren't gonna hit the ground running. It wasn't gonna be a top three finish. Yeah. So it, you kind of have to allow him some some room for error because he's he's coached one season for yeah. Derby, not top European right. club. So. Right. And, you know, I'm just going to, you know, just give me like 30 seconds here on Willian if you can. Just 30. Literally, literally Ready? cut me off after Ready? 30 seconds. Okay. All right. Go. Holy shit, man. <laughs> you haven't played. You, you didn't have to play in preseason. You didn't have to play in preseason and you came back. And I actually wanted your sub to come in for Pulisic because I didn't think he was doing very well. But holy shit, you came in and he looked like one of the ball boys came on. <laughs> Honestly, the ball boy would have given more energy when he came on. He came on, put in horrible corners, and was just so ineffective. As usual, slowed the game down and everything just he came on and literally nothing else happened for the team. <laughs> That's all right. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna cut you off because it's, it's it's been you've had your 30 seconds. I want you to take a couple deep breaths. I want you to think about it. Okay. I want you to write out all your thoughts. I'll help you out. And then we're gonna talk about it later. 
But before we talk about William later, I want to get your thoughts on their upcoming trip to Norwich, which obviously you, you have them being relegated this season. So my guess is that you're going to go with three points for Chelsea. Um, I'm going to pray for three points for Chelsea. Uh, I, I actually, <laughs> Norwich have actually been pretty good to start the season. I thought they were decent against Liverpool and they were very good this past weekend, even though they played Newcastle, just trash of a team. Um, but, you know, I, I can't think that getting past the god Timu Puki is going to be super easy. Mm. But um, it'll be a good test. I, I th- I'm going to say they win, um, obviously. But, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, no, no. I mean, I mean, I definitely was not surprised with the draw against Leicester, let's say that. But I will be surprised if they can get three – if they cannot get three points – um, at Norwich, it'll be a tough game, though. You know, I, a lot of the games. There's going to be very few easy games for this for this team this season. So, yeah, I think that's the biggest thing is that every game is actually contested. Yeah, and it's not like you, you think it's an automatic three points. Although you hope for the best, it's not always guaranteed. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's definitely possible for them to pick up three points. Um, hopefully, I get to see. You know what? Honestly, I'm going to go out and say this is the weekend we see the William Screamer. That restores your faith in him for about thirty seconds. It won't restore my faith, dude. I know, I know it'll come every few months, dude. <laughs> I know, I know it's gonna come. All right, fair enough. Then it restores your, I don't know, faith in the ability of this team to score goals. Nice. Sure, sure. Let's go. With that. Yeah, there you go. I'm, I'm trying to silver linings. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Throw me a bone. All right. Well, with that, we're gonna go ahead and take a little bit of a break. We'll be back with some La Liga news and a brief recap of this past weekend, looking ahead to this weekend's games. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back on the pod discussing a little bit of La Liga recap from the very first match day of the year and of the season. Um, I unfortunately don't have good news regarding my beloved Barcelona um, losing 1-0 at San Mamés to Athletic Bilbao on one of probably the nicest scissor kicks I have ever seen. And Take a bow, Adit Adurit. Dude, he is your god now, no, Elias. No. <laughs> you pray when you pray, you pray to Adurit, dude. That's uh, who you pray to. I I refuse uh, because I hate that man. <laughs> Not actually based on this game. I just have hated him in previous years. And although he is an absolute legend for Bill Bow, I will not stop hating him. And this has only fueled my hatred for him. So, Adariz, good riddance. I can't wait to see you retire. And I hope you have a great career getting fat on the beaches somewhere in Spain. Um, How dare you? 38 years old and he's scored possibly the goal of the season already. Yeah, I I will say that. That that was a pretty pretty sweet goal. Um, I will preface it by saying I didn't get a chance to watch the full game, unfortunately. I did, however... Oh, don't worry, I did. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh I know, I know. I um, I got a text from Rian asking him about the game, or I asked him about the game, um, and his response was, and I quote, 
this might have been the most boring La Liga game I have ever watched, and I have only watched one La Liga game. So that was, that was not the game. It might be the most boring one of the season, and it's only week one. That's what right, I was trying right, to say. Right, right. And I, I want to preface it to anyone that watches La Liga or even doesn't watch La Liga. That was not at all a representation of, of La Liga as a whole because – you, you want to talk about the rest of the results from the weekend because they were kind of nuts in, in the entire Spanish uh, league. Yeah, just run through them for sure. Yeah, so Villarreal, who were up 4-2 at some point. Or no, it, I mean the game ended 4-4 on a, yeah. on a very late goal in the in the 80th, 81st minute, I believe, against Granada. And the, the game, they, they were winning 4-2 at home. And two quick rapid-fire goals from a team that was just recently promoted got them the one point at the end. It just thrilling stuff in, in Spain again. Um, and we will get to this game uh, in a little bit in Atletico Hitafe. So I don't want to ruin it, but exciting stuff there um, as well. And so when you look at Spain as a whole in La Liga, Oh, I for, I totally forgot to mention the other two uh, teams that were just promoted, Asasuna and Mallorca doing very well this weekend as well. Um, Asasuna picking up the three points and Mallorca, I believe also doing the same or yes, yeah, also picking up three points. So all three teams are promoted, picking up at least a point. Again, La Liga is the best league in the season, but again, I'm not. Not here. Don't worry. But let, let's talk about the Barcelona game right, in, right. in brief. What what made the game boring? What what happened? Because this was the same lineup that they played in their most recent friendly, which they, they won 4-0 and I thought was some of their best football of the entire 2019 year, calendar year. Um so what what did you see? Was it was it the lack of energy or enthusiasm going forward? Well, let's say, all right, very, very high level here, you know, trying to, you know, dumb it down for you, obviously, here. Um, Yeah, I'll need you to explain why this team turns into Ibar when Messi is not playing. (laughs) The midfield, I I remember before the game, you said you were actually happy with the midfield that was thrown out there for that game. I was, Okay, don't forget, don't forget, you were happy with that three. All right, they were lifeless in this game. <laughs> they couldn't keep the ball. Um, they were getting run around very easily. You know, those are three guys who are, you know, not, none of them are necessarily like very strong in terms of getting the ball, like strong, physically strong. Right. We know De Jong is, is good at getting the ball back. Um, but, you know, they were getting passed around completely um, and just weren't really picking out very good passes either when they had the ball. They weren't controlling possession when those three had the ball. And we know that that's, that, that part is the heart of the Barcelona team, right. right? That's the engine room, right? So those are the people who who are tasked with, you know, keeping and recycling possession, right? Yeah. And and they just weren't, they weren't accurate with their passes. They weren't passing it quick enough. That's a big thing. They were not, the tempo was really off, Um and then you go to the top, you know, granted, uh, Suarez has to go off early, you know, oh, wow, that must be tough for having uh, Griezmann, uh, Dembele, and then uh, Rafinha is your front three there. That must, that, that's, wow, I'm so, I'm sorry, that must have been really hard. The, Dembele was absolutely 
just so so lifeless like the rest of the team. <laughs> he, he's lifeless. He was lifeless like the rest of the team. He did. Well, don't worry. He's out for he five weeks. No so you're not going to see him on the field for a while. Yeah, exactly. And and then and then Griezmann, um, I will give him slightly a benefit of the doubt, even though you know my reservations with him. Um, he was his service wasn't great, so I'll give him that. But you know that's. He's not a lone center forward. That's never been his position. And I have real, real concerns of him on the wing. Granted, he played there with uh, Sociedad, correct? Yes. Played on the wing with Sociedad. So, but he hasn't done that in years. And his best, um, his best moments in his past, like four to five years, uh, have been with, uh, someone to play the ball off of up top and stuff, you know, a second guy. We saw it with France and we saw it at Atletico. So uh, I'm slightly concerned of him being out on the wing um, when Messi comes back and, you know, everyone's back together. Him playing, obviously playing with Messi will, will probably help him a lot. But um, I'm still worried about his effectiveness as a non-striker, right? Uh, overall, I mean, this game... <laughs> do we think that they need a certain twenty-seven-year-old Brazilian phenom now? Do Stop. we? I mean, he comes in. He comes into that game, and you don't have to have Rafinha. More, more oh athlete. God. You don't need to have Dembele playing that game. <laughs> right? I mean, I, I don't know. Do we? I think they might need him now, but. You are the Barcelona expert here. You've got to, you've got to enlighten me. Tell me why they don't need Neymar still. They don't need Neymar because a they can't afford him, and that would destroy. Yeah, say that's the difference between be, needing him and being able to. Get okay. Him. okay, all right. So in terms of a, let's look at it at a, at a tactical level. You have four to five potential players that you could throw into the starting front three. Messi, Suarez, Griezmann, Dembele, and let's throw Rafinha in because he can fit anywhere really on the right-hand side of, of a front three or a midfield. So let's say five. I'm being generous here. Throw Neymar into the mix. Okay. That is six players for three spots, five of which are absolute world-class. And I don't even want to get into Dembele being classified as world-class. But for the sake of argument, let's say that he is. That is not enough playing time for five world-class players. I understand that Suarez is getting older. I understand that there is a need to have youth in this team. But by God, with all the baggage that that man brings, it's not worth it. And I understand that he is an incredible player, but all of this hoopla from the summer has just driven me crazy. Just let him rot away at PSG at this point if they don't want to sell. I don't care. It, it is totally up to them. But in terms of this game in the context of the league, yes, to answer your question about or your point about Griezmann, he needs to play more centrally. I think he is terrible on the wing. Um, I think that he is isolated. And I think a part of it is actually structure more so than his playing style. I think he's he's one of the best players that's able to connect um, between lines in the world. But when he's isolated on the wing with 
a lack of a central midfielder or a point man at the nine position or even at the 10 position to play the back the ball back into, or even say Jordi Alba playing in a much more um, forward role, then you leave him up against your right back in a tracking defensive mid, which is just a two on one number situation. Granted, he's a skilled player, but he's not messy, right? So He's not, no player is really going to try and get out of that situation successfully. And I do think that he needs to play more centrally. So I do think that this weekend against Real Batiste, that we're going to see him play in a more central role, especially now that Suarez is injured. And with the services coming in from Messi, I told you this a couple weeks ago, I think that could end up working really, really well. Um, so I do think that that is definitely a problem that they need to um, address. <laughs> the other problem is, I don't know who starts with Messi and Griezmann this weekend now that Messi is back fully fit. Um, I don't believe he was medically cleared to play, but he is training with the, the first team again. So, I'm, Yeah, I see, I see you've, been, uh, you've been circulating those training videos oh on Twitter. Yes, so. I've been circulating all of the training videos and all of the tweets coming out from the Barcelona camp, but... I really, I'm going to guess it's Rafinha that starts next to Griezmann and Messi, which is kind of crazy to think because he was practically on his way out a couple weeks ago. Um, The other alternative is Carlos Carlos Perez, um, who I thought had a good preseason, um, but he's, he is a B team player. He's relatively inconsistent so far. Um, Granted, I've only seen him a handful of times, but I still think Rafinha gets to start this weekend and I, I can only pray I can't believe I'm saying this, that one of Suarez or Dembele come back real soon because they're going to be needed. And I hope Dembele really polishes up because I watched the highlights of his from the weekend. And you know that, you know, the Curb Your Enthusiasm, like music. Yeah, of yeah course. that that was exactly what you, I should have added to that clip because that is that is <laughs> all that I saw from him this weekend, and I was extremely disappointed, especially considering the preseason he had. So, yeah, I I'm not feeling great right now, but I will say, in a away game at San Mamez against an Athletic Bilbao side that had more time to prepare, is not an excuse, but it is an understanding of how slash why I guess I can see that game going the way it did. Um, and like I said, you know, last week's pod, it's, it's a difficult place to go. It's a, it's a place to, that's historically difficult to pick up three points at. Um, but what scared me more was kind of like you said, the way they played, uh, the lack of circulation, the lack of ability to string passes together was just horrifying. Um, so I can only pray for things to get better this weekend. Well, for your sake, I hope so. Um, I'm not going to bring it up now, but let's let's see. We'll see how it goes. And I have a teething question of whether Griezmann was honestly necessary to, uh, to transfer in this summer. But I'm not going to open up that can of worms right now. Yeah, I suggest you don't because my head's about to explode <laughs> from all your Dembele Griezmann thoughts anyway. So, um, But in, t- in terms of this upcoming weekend against Real Betis, um, I'm very unsure about what we're going to see out of Barcelona this weekend anyway. But I'm going to go out on a limb and say that this is going to be a high-scoring game because with Betis picking up Borja Iglesias um, – with them only adding to the team, 
Uh, they are still a very good side. They are my sleeper pick to finish in the top six as well. So I'm going to go with a 3-2 Barcelona win this weekend. Um, I think that defensively, uh, Barcelona have been okay, um, but Real Betis have the talent to get around that, unfortunately. Um, but I, I still do think it's it's possible with Messi back in the in the team that they pick up three points. All right. I mean, I, I agree. I mean, I, I think uh, well, if Messi's back, I think they'd 100 percent pick up three points because I think things get easier for uh, Griezmann and Dembele. So I'll agree with you to that. All right. Well, I can't believe that we agreed that this might be a win for Barcelona, considering all <laughs> just to me last weekend. But sure, well, I'll, yeah. I'll just brush that under. Don't worry about Mess, it. Fine. Messi, Messi wasn't there. Like I said, they turned into Ibar. So oh, they, now, now you're there, defending. Fine. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. All yeah, right. Whatever. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Jeez. All right. Well, we're going to move on to Atletico Hitafe, um, a game in which uh, we saw Jao Felix do some some Mbappe stuff. Oh, man. That was yeah, beautiful. That was beautiful. You know, I mean, like, you, you could say Mbappe, but it was the combination of um, speed and the foot skills. I mean, Mbappe's got great foot skills, too. But, I mean, this run, he took on, like, three different defenders. He didn't just beat them with pace. He This was, yeah. like, a real kind of fuck you run like like they, they tried to kick the, like at the very beginning of the run they try to like kick the shit out of him and he just like keeps going yeah. <laughs> like and, and then and then the last guy comes up to him and he just puts on an, another just goes into another gear and to get past him and and gets fouled it was awesome to watch i mean he didn't do like, you know granted that was you know his definitely his brightest moment of the game and um i think he's still adjusting but you know it's when you're nine, when you have someone who's nineteen, you want them to flash, right? Because they're so young, you can't expect um, total consistency. That's a pretty good flash. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was that was a pretty good flash. If you're looking for flashes in this first season, yeah. yeah. Um, also, shout, yeah. What, what what were your thoughts on? No, I, I mean they were very similar. That run was literally like that was an fu run for sure. That was, and I loved every second of it. You know, because it was it was like it's it was almost like he was that that quiet kid in school that that's picked on and this horde of defenders came over and he like in a Marvel character type way, just broke through them. And at the end drew the, the foul for the penalty, which of course Murata missed, but like it, it was, it was incredible to see him have the mental fortitude to not go down and say, I'm, I, I'm going to get past you. Like you think this is cute. Like you think, that you can do this, but you you cannot, and I and I love that about him. I, I really like I said I have high hopes for him um, going forward this season as well as in the, the future seasons that I'm sure he's he's set to have with Atletico. Um, so I wish him the best. But the the red cards in the first half too. Um, this is what I was talking about earlier. Just flying out of the referees' pockets. Um, granted, which which were all kind of kind of deserved maybe the second Oof. yellow was not oh yeah maybe <laughs> which was yeah the second yellow was not i'll, I'll give you that 100 um but the the yellows outside of that slash the other red uh, were fine but the, there's so to, to give you context to the second yellow though there is a new rule and i had to look this up because 
people were saying that this was a new rule, but it is officially a new rule that um, any sort of stamp or step on the Achilles is just an automatic red card. Oh no! Yeah, no, that's the auto, that automatic red. Yeah, well, wow. I mean, buddy, if you thought I had a problem with the handball <laughs> rule, jeez. I mean, I I can to I can understand this one more uh, for sure. But yikes! We saw the same thing happen with Modric when he got sent off this weekend. You right. know, it, I mean, especially in this match with Hitafe and uh, Atletico. The it's really that one was really harsh to me because his man is actually running across to, across him, dribbling across him, and so it's one of those. I mean, we've all been in that position where you're running behind someone who's dribbling with the ball, and um, they cut across you, and you're just trying to like get on the other side of them, not even trying to nick the ball from them, just to get just to like jump over and get on the other side of them, and. He, you know, and, you know, as he's running, he just happens to, like, trip. He trips him, really. It's just, it's just a trip as as the man is moving, as the man is trying to run around him. Right. It's, um, it's just a trip. And and it just happens to step on his Achilles. And, you know, another one where we're taking intent out completely. And, I mean, I don't – I if they want to give an automatic yellow card for that, Sure. That that should be short. An automatic yellow, but an automatic red is really harsh, I think. And I don't, it's really, really harsh. I don't know exactly how you want a defender to go about that differently. You know, I yeah. Same no, with the I, play. You know, do you just let yeah. guys run past you at that point? Like, I don't know what what you're supposed to do. You you, you can't do much else. I, I I fully agree with you. I think this is this is probably the biggest case of. Um, intent being taken out and totally misconstrued um so i yeah i i agree i i wish this rule would change and i don't think that uh, it's, it's bringing any good like i get the idea of protecting an achilles because it is an absurdly crucial ligament but it, you, you can't you can't take intent out of a challenge like that um yeah that's that's i mean yeah i mean fouls more than anything else is the most subjective thing. Like, and yeah. we're and, like, we we can't we can't start making, you know, fouls in the run of play. Um, or well, I mean, we can. Like, obviously, studs up at the knees and whatnot. No, that's easy. But like, um, fouls that are kind of within the flow of the game. You know, we we can't start just <laughs> like throwing a blanket rule over that. I think. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, outside of the red cards. Um, Kieran Trippier, uh, yeah, actually, shout out to shout out to the Englishman. Yeah, he, he had a great weeks. game. I think I think his chemistry is starting to develop with with that right hand side of the attack, including Felix in that a little bit um, uh-huh. as well. Yeah. But I I do think he still has some positional work um, to improve upon, um, and then I'm hoping I'm hoping that he plays most if not all of the rest of the games especially the big games this season um because i think he does have the potential to do really really well and i see simeone starting him uh quite often uh, especially because he is one of the main players in that position um but it, it, it's going to be really interesting to see an englishman in an atletico slash la liga team um at such a high level and i'm, I'm excited for the season he's going to have 
Yeah, same here. Um, he played a great. I mean, we know we know what his qualities are in terms of going forward. He played a beautiful cross into uh, into Murata. Um Beautiful, beautiful cross. I, I have I have very high hopes for him this season as well. Um, also, you know who who better to have coaching him defensively um, in terms of you know structure and discipline than Diego Simeone, right? Yeah, Cholo. yeah, exactly. So, so he, you know, one of the most disciplined coaches in the world. So um, he's in good hands. Um, and unfortunately, the bitter, bitter rivals of Barcelona are also apparently in good hands in the form of Gareth Bale coming back into the starting 11 for Real Madrid against Celta Vigo this weekend. Um, the prodigal son returns. <laughs> like nothing happened. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? He's been in the team the whole He's time. Never left. What? He's never <laughs> left. Spanish? Who doesn't need to speak Spanish? He's only been there like six years. Who needs to speak Spanish when you're actually – who needs to learn a new language? You're going to get started anyway. Yep. Yeah, so I think it was you that said that. This was the greatest backtrack job in, in history on, on Zidane's part. With, uh, oh. with him scrolling back, and I think it was like July. Uh, oh my God, July somewhere in mid July uh, when they were preseason. Uh, you know, it'd be be better if Gareth left tomorrow for everyone. Ha ha ha! And then uh, <laughs> right before the the Celta game or right after, he's like, uh, yeah. So uh, uh, Gareth is here to stay, and uh, <laughs> I uh, I may or may not have been incorrect. <laughs> and uh, oh, he's also starting this weekend. <laughs> So um, I, yeah, I think yeah. in a perfect world in which Eden Hazard's not injured, Gareth Bale doesn't start. That's uh, real. So you think you think Vinicius starts over him because I mean their their most um, their strongest eleven. I mean it has to be Bale. Has to be some combination of Bale, um, Hazard, and then whoever they want to throw up front, whether um, whether that'll be Jovic or or Benzema. So you think Vinicius is ahead of Gareth Bale when uh, Eden Hazard is healthy? Because that's like that seems like the perfect wing combination. There, you have Gareth Bale on the right, and well, you would you would think that, right? You would think that Hazard Benzema Bale is a terrifying lineup to face. I would, I'm, I'm sorry, but I would not want to face that lineup at its absolute peak. Um, I I will say I think Vinicius starts. In, in his own place, I don't think he starts in place of Gareth Bale. I think Zidane would favor a lineup more along the lines of Benzema uh, through the middle, Hazard on the left, Vinicius on the right. And so, I mean, so I guess what you're saying is positionally that Vinicius starts over Gareth Bale. Yeah, yes, sure, but not in terms of personnel. I think that Hazard comes in for um, for Gareth Bale rather than the other way around. Right, right, right. Bale did start on the left he in this did. game, and, and he assisted that. Benzema um, quite well, actually, from that position. Um, yeah. So I'll, I'll yeah. give him credit for that. And I think we've we've both said all along that when Gareth Bale is is playing at his best, he is one of the best players in the world. Don't get me wrong; I still think that. I I still highly rate him. Um, he's just had so many non footballing. Well, everything in his life as a professional footballer is related to football. Um, but a lot of issues off the field on top of that to deal with. So um, I'm I'm very interested to see if he remains in the starting 11 going forward. I think he will while Hazard is out. Um, I wish that Real Madrid, <clears throat> excuse me, would play 
some more of their their youth products that uh, they well loan them out like Kubo now on loan at Mallorca. So he was never going to get playing time. Granted, yeah, that's a good. It, it is him, a good though. loan. Granted, he doesn't necessarily play in um, always in an attacking three. Um, sometimes more in an attacking mid role, but yeah, I. I think that Gareth Bale is probably going to start the next couple of weeks. Um, but Real Madrid as a whole looked good this weekend, and that was so odd considering their preseason, uh, which just goes to show that preseason <laughs> is not everything, like we said um, a couple of weeks ago. Um, so I think that there was a debate that sort of started after this game where people said um, – is, is the league wide open because the champions just lost and the two runners up just won. Um, and to answer the question, yeah, the league has always been open. It's the, it's the first week. Like, the, of course it's open. Like Real Madrid are top of the league for the first time or they're above Barcelona for the first time in like two and a half years. So yeah, in theory it is open. Sure. Um, but you can never make decisions from the but, first yeah. Of course not. And yeah, of course, of course it's not open. Are you kidding me? But we talked about, we talked about during the preview, we've had one team win the league eight times in the last 11 years. Obviously it's not right. open. Right. <laughs> it's a, like, sure, it's a, run, but, but like, like look at history. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I do think, well, you know, you know, my prediction, I think I, I'm going to ride the Atletico train this, this season. So, um, yeah, but, but, um, you know, that, that first game is not enough for me to think that Madrid for me to, to totally change on my, uh, feelings about Madrid. Um, so that, that still needs to, we still need a few more weeks because that team was just a shell of what they had been the last four years, uh, the four years prior to right. last season, you know, they were a shell. So, you know, it's, it's not one game's not going to change yeah. it. Yeah, no, I, I fully agree with you. Um, I think they still have a lot of improvements that they need to make. I just I do think that they looked good this weekend, um, and they generally played cohesively. I hope it does not continue, of course, but I I do think that they will play pretty much the same exact lineup this weekend, with obviously the exception of Modric, who was red card, and we talked a little bit about that. Um, but I'm interested to see who, who comes in with him, right? Lorente is now off to Atletico. Um, maybe Valverde, who Zidane seems to favor, um, could come in to that position. But I, I'm, I'm interested to see who comes in. Uh, I really am. Um, because bye bye Kovacic, bye bye Ceballos, right? Um, all those players are gone. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, me too. Um, should be, should be interesting. They, they come up against, um, my or Valladolid, Valladolid this yeah. weekend. So yeah, should should also be again a, a straightforward three points uh, for them. Uh, Valladolid is one of those teams that can have their moments, but normally I would say that when they come up against a top three team, um, it, it the the talent levels are not necessarily comparable. Um, it, it's kind of like putting Liverpool right up against Huddersfield uh, type thing. Um, so I don't think that I would rule out Valladolid getting a goal, um, but I do still think three points for Madrid this weekend. 
that was that was tough to get out. But yeah. I, I, yeah. No. No. I agree. <laughs> yeah. You got to do it. But uh, yeah, they can't. They, vitally coming off a a pretty exciting win. They won two uh, one with a goal in the eighth yeah. minute by Oscar Pano. So um, yeah, I think I think it's a I think it's a pretty straightforward weekend for our top three in La Liga this weekend. Let's hope. Um, yeah, yeah, I I would agree yeah. with you as well. Um, but I I do need to see my Barcelona get back to winning ways because I haven't seen Messi play in a while <laughs> and ah oh, I miss that man I miss him so much. All right, well, we shall we see. Shall. Um, well, with uh with that wrap up, recap and preview, we're gonna go ahead and close out the pod for this week. We'll see what this weekend's matches bring to us. Next week, we will be back with a review of this upcoming weekend's games from both England and Spain. And if there are any other interesting matches that pop up, we'll be sure to review them. So with that, signing off here, Ellie Steckley on the pod with Rian. Don't forget to subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts, Ken. And also we're on Spotify now. So have a good, have a good night, guys. 